Mr. Pop. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to pair Jamar Chase and Jerry Rice as your two wide receivers in fantasy football? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start Barry Sanders and Patrick Mahomes in your fantasy football lineup? Then this is the place for you. Encore Fantasy, the only place where the fantasy stars of today face off against the legends of yesterday. There are a lot of fantasy games out there that do simulations. Encore Fantasy is taking actual games from these players' past. It's not simulating them. It's not a guess. You're actually getting a Fred Bolitnikoff game, not what Fred Bolitnikoff might have done at some point. Whether you are new to fantasy football or a better know game, we have something for you. This is the Encore Fantasy Podcast. <laughs> folks welcome back welcome back we are here for the encore fancy games podcast i'm your host ben stecker joined alongside me with michael michaud say hi michael yeah you nailed it we've been off for three weeks and you don't even remember how to talk how do words work as michael scott says in the office who knows where words come from and you certainly are unclear about it but i think they have the gist of it i think they have the gist i think i think they got it it's good to be back uh gonna be talking about some football again i don't know the nfl is the nfl i feel like the nfl sucks this year that is oddly specific to the fact that you had some high expectations for your team and they have been underperforming those expectations. Maybe. To be fair, I did not have super high expectations, but okay, you I were, did have you were, higher than shit expectations. Fair. You were excited for the season and then it slapped you in the face. It's the ultimate exercise in sports. Love the jungle. <laughs> today's meme gif Instagram world. Everybody's looking for who they can dump on, right? And you just like try to get through a sports season without it being your team that everybody chooses to dump on. <laughs> you just want to not succeed for us. <laughs> you just want to be the gif of Homer Simpson sliding back into the shrubs. And you don't want to be that person that everyone's focusing on. As a Giants fan, I'll say that over the past couple of years, people love to dump on the Giants and how bad they were. And it was annoying. But it was especially annoying because you're like, yeah, I know they're, I have no arguments to this. They're bad and people are enjoying making fun of them. I'm a Yankees fan, so people always enjoy dumping on the Yankees. But it's different with some of your teams, especially when you have some expectations, but then you make a big splashy move for a player that a lot of people dislike and then it goes horribly and people love schadenfreude and it's really just a combination of a lot of bad factors for you isn't it buddy it's an arrogant thing to say me be arrogant it's out of character for me what's your fantasy team name something hubris my fantasy team name is i am hubris i am hubris okay great and it is six and three so it's not the worst hubris i've ever seen in my life but no i think it's harder even for me though because i don't know very many people that are as passionately invested in their team as I am. I know that sounds very high, but I think you could probably back me up in saying there's very few people that live and die with their team the way that I do. So to be the brunt of the joke for going on 10 weeks now, it's a very difficult home to live in for me. Well, yes, I agree with you on that first part. And secondly, now we get into the psychology of fandom, right? That you feel... It's not just that people are attacking your team. Your Broncos fandom is a part of who you are. So when people are attacking them, it's like they're attacking you, even though you have nothing to do with roster construction or underperformance or bad coaching or misunderstanding the idea of the game. Which I'm very thankful for, by the way, because what I've learned in all of this is there are certain sects of fan groups that I would not want to have any control over roster construction of any kind because it would just look terrible. (laughs) I think it's universal across all sports that if fans Fans think they'd be great at roster construction, but really they'd be pretty bad at it. We've established something. And in any sports season, you want to win, you want to be unnoticed, 
You do not want to be the brunt of the joke. There's plenty of NFL teams that are disappearing into that middle area, but you don't want to be the Broncos, the Raiders, the Rams, and the Packers, even though they just won. But This is a big weekend for me, too, because Denver plays the Raiders in Denver. If we don't win that game, if if our offense, which is bad, which is bad because we've got like something like 27 people on IR, we get a play into a game and we lose a starter. Like that's just what happens this year. Nobody has had injuries the way Denver has had injuries this year. It's laughably hilarious. But if we, even with all that, if we lose to Josh McDaniels at home in Denver and have them pass us in the standings, I just, I mean, you might never recover in 2022. It's it's impacting my like I can't get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> that, so last week when you said you had the flu, that was really the Broncos flu. That was the mile high flu. It's the mile, high, the mile flu. high flu. It got you. It got you bad. I'm sure this is what everybody tuned into the Encore Fancy Games podcast for. All four of you to hear us talk more about the Broncos. So we'll we'll get off that a little bit. But just needless to say, the NFL sucks in 2022, and there's no recovering <laughs> for it. Also, this is on a serious fantasy note. It's not good for the NFL that Geno Smith is the number five quarterback. I'm sorry. That's not good for the NFL. Why not? Okay, fine. Maybe for the NFL, it's not good, but for fantasy. Why is that good for fantasy? Who wants to go out and be like, oh, I'm so glad I was able to win that waiver thing for Geno Smith. It really hammers home the randomness of fantasy sports. We don't want it to be random. But it is random and it's always going to be random. So stop trying to control the uncontrollable and just lean into the chaos. No, no. No, no. The crappiness of live fantasy is that you have to pay attention for guys like Gino. You have to pay attention for guys like Tua. You have to pay attention for guys like Christian Kirk being a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You don't have to do that in encore fantasy football. You can play with the guys you want to play with, who you want to be good, and you can still be competitive. And I'm very thankful for that in our game because I'm thankful for that as well. I just I don't like it when (laughs) guys are good. (laughs) I don't like it when all my best laid plans go awry and I throw money down the toilet in all my fantasy leagues. Is that a bit of what you're saying? It's a little bit of what I'm saying. Yes. Listen, I'm frustrated this season. It seems I'm in like five fantasy leagues, which is like three too many, to be honest, because I end up just playing myself and the same players I have on my roster in some league. But it's really been an exercise in futility this year on so many levels that like I'm picking up this person. This person was the right person to draft at the position I drafted them in and they stink. But this is always the case. Maybe it just feels particularly futile this year than normal years. But it's true that with Encore Fantasy Games, you don't have to worry about that because you can draft Dominic Williams who had another big performance. Offense being down all around the NFL is certainly a thing. We're looking at maybe one or two quarterbacks who are tracking to have more than like 34 touchdown passes this year. Which is crazy. And we've talked about this in comparing our historical players and how you're trying to win with historical wide receivers and you keep going for that because it makes more sense to pick active wide receivers considering how the game has changed but i don't know not this year it's a little bit old school it's like the nfl is 12 years younger than it is now it's certainly been very interesting and offense is down we're not getting a bunch of 45 35 games or 45 40 we're getting all these 16 13 games and yeah yeah. Ben's having a existential crisis. I am having an existential crisis. I, I am. Just got to ride it out. Maybe one of your fantasy teams can win, although preferably not I am hubris, which is six and three. What you failed to mention is I'm seven and two in that league. So right ahead of you. Yeah, nobody cares. I care <laughs> deeply. I'm definitely screwed in that league. I Cooper Cup. Hold on. This is actually a great case study because I think that I'm screwed in that league every week. 
And somehow, either in the combination of surprise performances and weak opposition, I keep winning. Not this past week. Shout out to our friend Zach, who took me down. But you just got to keep forging ahead until the season's over. And who knows what happens? Who knows? Let's dive into it a little bit. It's been three weeks. So we've got three weeks of data that's out there. And you know the one thing that I'm going to talk about that has happened over the last three weeks. And that is that historical wide receivers have dominated, dominated the pools. I don't know about dominated, but... 14 historical wide receivers have had positive deltas. Means they've outperformed their projection because we use that delta word and we're not talking about flying anyplace. No, we're talking about we're talking about Bitcoin. Yeah, nerds, <laughs> nerd stuff. But 14 historical wide receivers in the last three weeks have had a positive delta that have outperformed their projection. And only six live receivers that have been picked in the pool have done that. Uh- Oh, that's oh, interesting stuff. yeah, that's right. That's right. And even though you won the last pool, yes, you won the last pool. I did. I won it. I did it. It was amazing. You did it. Doing what? Using historical wide receivers. Well, yeah, I mean, I confess I did do that. But I've been very excited about this emergence of historical wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, for those who have been listening, Ben has been really leaning into, despite our analysis that it makes more sense to draft active wide receivers just because of the way the game has changed, Ben has been leaning into the historical wide receivers and it's finally worked out. So my winning roster from last week, where I had a comfortable 14 point win, two out of my three wide receivers were historical. They included the legendary Isaac Bruce and the legendary shot himself in the leg, Plaxico Burns. (laughs) (laughs) He had 22.3 points. Isaac Bruce had 23 points. My three big scorers of the week were my historical players. Tony Gonzalez, a tight end, Priest Holmes, Plaxico Burst, and Isaac Bruce. So I'm leaning into the Ben Stecker corollary yeah, of, yeah. of historical wide receivers, which I, players. which I know is what you wanted me to say. So I sang it. Good for you. It worked out. You didn't win this week, but I won, but I did it with your kind of strategy. I had the flu. Also, I had a broken heart, so it impacted my ability to pick players that would win. Broken heart. (laughs) One of my big players this week was Plaxico Burris. Because his game came during his Giants career, November 25th, 2007. It was a 41-17 Giants loss in the year that they went on to win the Super Bowl. He had seven catches for 93 yards and one touchdown. He was targeted 13 times in this game. (laughs) That was the first of two games that season where he was targeted 13 times. And he was also targeted 12 times, two other games, and 11 two other games. Clearly Eli Manning's favorite target. You could cash in on Plaxico Burris. And I did this week with some Ben Stecker strategery, leaned into it, and, and I won. It's a good move. And Black Scope. We had some plays with the Giants. We all remember the wide open touchdown in the Super Bowl. I certainly do. Speaking of crying and speaking and of crying and, and that tears of joy. So it's nice when you pick uh, pick one of your your guys and they go off for you. Interestingly enough, though, those guys were the best historical wide receiver that week. The best historical wide receiver that week, Mike Quick. Which, when I heard the name Mike Quick, uh, recent wide receiver for the Rams popped into my mind, but I, I couldn't have been more wrong. It's Mike Quick from the Eagles back in the 80s. I got to be honest, don't know much about Mike Quick. He had a big game. game. I, I think it was against Buffalo back in, what, 85 that he had this this game. He had eight catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown, and a 21-17 win over Buffalo. For an 80s receiver? Mike Quick has some stats here. He had a year where he went 1,400 yards with 13 touchdowns on 69 catches. Another one where he went 1,247 yards and 11 touchdowns. 
some years where he wasn't very good, but that's a really ballsy, interesting pick. He made the Pro Bowl five times. You know who threw him those touchdowns in that game? Who? Mid-80s Eagles. Ron Jaworski. <laughs> Jaws was his quarterback. Mike Quick's really interesting because he didn't have that many catches, at least in how he understands catches now. But he still had a lot of yards. His yards per reception were pretty high. So he was clearly a downfield threat. And yeah, he made the Pro Bowl. He was an All-Pro twice, and he made the Pro Bowl five times. So he had a pretty pretty darn good career, Mike Quick, yeah. from North Carolina yeah. State. And this is why this game is great. I never heard of him. Here he is popping up with one of the best deltas of the week in week nine, for sure. It's kind of a kind of a mid-level projection, too. 13 points projected a week. Like I know. That is a low. steal. Not for historical wide receivers. That's not low. Calvin Johnson scored 24.5 points instead of Quick's 25.7. And his projection was 18. And then Sterling Sharp's projection was 16.4. So a little low, I guess. I I'm, I imagine he's a guy that you're looking for the last 13 points well, to buy your roster. And he yeah. ends up... And you're like, oh, Mike Quick, cool. That's a cool name. And then boom. Pops off. Yeah. So it's Mike Quick, Calvin Johnson, Sterling Sharp, Isaac Bruce, Plaxico Burris, Chris Carter, and all those guys I mentioned scored 19 points and up. And even the week before, in week eight, we had Chris Carter was the third highest scoring player of the week. Michael Irvin had over 20 points. Calvin Johnson had 19. Lance Allworth had 16. And then in week seven, Calvin Johnson was up there again with 25. Jerry Rice on the board. So... Yeah, these guys are making some appearances on these scoreboards, proving that it is valuable to take some of the best pass catchers of all time and put them on your team. It's weird. Julian Edelman made a made an appearance in week eight with the most Julian Edelman line of all time. Seven catches for 66 yards. Typical Just, Julian. He's the first down guy. <laughs> he made catching a ball and sliding to the ground cool before Tyler Lockett did. Yeah, did you see that video? Our friend Zach is a big Seahawks fan, and he always talks about how stupid it is that Tyler Lockett does that. And I sent him that video, and he's like, yeah, it's a bit of a problem. I'm glad to see the historical wide receivers making a rebound, coming in hot, making up some ground here, and, and really starting to make a make a name for themselves on here. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And, I mean, kind of overall, the last few weeks, historical players have been stepping up to the plate. I mean, they really have been, yeah. especially last week. Last week, I mean, if you look at like the top performers – like 80%. Six of the top 10 and 11 of the top 15 in week nine were historical players, including Priest Holmes, Rob Gronkowski, Peyton Manning, Maurice Jones, Drew, Mike Quick, Marshall Falk, Calvin Johnson, Tony Gonzalez, Sterling Sharp, and Thurman Thomas, my boy, who I talked about on our last podcast. This is just one of those things where it's like, you know what? You know those players that you imagine are probably pretty good at fantasy? Yeah, they're good at fantasy and you should... You know, yeah, Peyton Manning's good. Yeah, Gronk is good. Yeah, Priest Holmes is lights out. Go for them. Like, have fun with it. Build your roster. Like, I know Justin Jefferson was the highest scoring player this past week with 10 catches for 193 yards and a touchdown, including um, that wild one-handed catch. But, like, fill out your roster with a Marshall Falk, with a Calvin Johnson, you know, Tony Gonzalez throwing sharp. These guys have sick games in their game log. Pretty fun to see when it pops up. Priest Holmes and Gronk with the three touchdowns, not a whole lot of yards to go with it, but found Pater so much. Two weeks ago, it was Chris Carter who had 89 yards and three touchdown catches for his big game. We call that the Christian Watson. The Christian Watson. Man alive, how many people have been waiting for that game to happen? Well, as an Alan Lazard supporter, I hope it's not the start of something. You're screwed. Lazard. No, I'm not screwed. I'm not screwed. Anyway, uh, but again, this is good balance. So like last, so this past week was a lot mm -hmm. of historical players. The week before that, 
If you take the top 15, it was more slanted towards the active players. And then week seven was split, basically. Gronk was up there again. Tony Gonzalez was up there again. Calvin Johnson was up there again. We're starting to see pretty common names pop up. People yeah. picking Megatron, people picking Gronk. And like, you know, these guys have big games. They're a reason they keep getting picked because they're really good at football. They were during their heyday. So it's fun. Christian Watson is definitely a better play in our pool this coming week than Lazard is because Christian Watson's only projected to score 9.8 points and Watson's at 13 points. So he's a cheaper add. So you're getting a little bit higher risk there because only only has like three catches over the last four weeks, but they've all been for touchdowns. So the reward is pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. The risk reward is high for Christian Watson. Sometimes I find when I look at people's roster construction, you see them filling in their running backs and wide receivers on the back end with like lower projected points of historical players. But now I don't know, we might start seeing the inverse of that where we see them load up on historical players with high projections and then fill in the back end with people like Watson or Lazard or Jeff Wilson, who keeps scoring points in Miami, even though he's one of seven running backs at this right now or however many they have. But, but that idea of how you fill in your roster, are you purposely mixing it up? We have some guys who just do active. We have some guys who just do historical and it's just kind of figuring out that balance is kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Another value play that we've got, it sounds like Mark Andrews is going to miss another week. He keeps missing practices. Oh. Yeah, so there you go. Isaiah Likely. For our leagues, he's nice because he's only projected at six points and you know that there's likely to be a pretty good delta on that one. But that's the big key in these, right? Like you need to have guys that score points, but score points over their projection a lot more. It's one thing to have a guy who scores 25 points who was projected to have 23 points. Jalen Hurts, I think, is last week was that way. It's another thing to have a guy who scores 25 points when you got him for 13 points projected because your profit margin is that much higher. Because everyone in the game is constructing their roster based on the same budget of project of 125 projected points. If you have someone just performed their projection, that's great, better than underperformance, but you know, you're just going to end up with 125 points and this winning score each week is generally higher than that. So you you need to find people who are underrated by the projection system. And it's obviously easier to find those amongst active players, right? Because we have an, a better understanding of the live dynamic of it than a historical player. So that's where you can find that fun delta. The, the historical players is you can get that big point total. For example, let's touch on the historical performance of the week, which we haven't done yet. This is a guy we mentioned at the beginning of the season. He finally had a big week. He hasn't been chosen that much, but Sean Alexander was the highest scoring player, just barely beating out Patrick Mahomes from week seven. But in week eight, Sean Alexander, his game was 141 rushing yards and four touchdowns for 39 points. Sean Alexander being our legendary performance of the week. He led the league in touchdowns a couple of years, obviously a great player, but finally showed up on the top of the leaderboard, which I think a lot of people have probably been, probably been waiting for. Yeah, it's a big four touchdown game for Sean Alexander. He had, what, two of those in his career? He just had some of those games where he pile up the touchdowns in a game. Alexander the Great. He had 27 touchdowns in 2005. Yeah. For a running yeah. back. One of the great all-time fantasy seasons. Daniel Jones isn't going to hit 27 touchdowns as a quarterback this year, running and passing combined. Actually, he might, but he hasn't before. <laughs> and they all came from Sean Alexander. That's wild. The year he had 27 touchdowns, 2005. The year he had 27 touchdowns, he ran for four touchdowns twice in that season. He had 140 yards and four touchdowns in week three and 141 yards and four touchdowns in week six. And then he had 165 yards and three touchdowns in week nine. Obviously, the beginning and the end of his career, just like a lot of NFL players, except Barry Sanders, taper off. And that's the risk you run when you grab him. But there's a reason why you draft Sean Alexander. 
He's actually projected at only about 16 points, which Ricky Waters is projected at 17.6 points higher. Tiki Barber is higher than Sean Alexander. That just brings back to the idea of like Delta, right? If you can draft Sean Alexander and put him on your team at just under 16 points, and he has several 40 plus point games out there, that is a risk you're willing to take. Even if you're looking at the bell curve of his career, those tail ends are pretty bad. That middle is pretty good. It's better than most players. He had those games in that season. He had his five touchdown game, which was week four of 2002, when he had 139 rushing yards, 92 catching yards, and five total touchdowns. I mean, that's a huge game. Then the year before that, he had 266 rushing yards and three touchdowns in week eight. He's one of those guys that the big games are big. They're huge. Another legendary performance. We've mentioned Gronk a couple of times because he's been near the top of the leaderboard. But one other person I wanted to grab who was top three in week seven is Dominic Williams, who keeps showing up on these charts. The guy is just a point scoring machine. This is a game where he had seven catches for 52 yards and 129 rushing yards and a touchdown for 31 points. Dominic Williams, again, short career, thick, meaty bell curve. And people have been leaning into that. And he seems to keep showing up on top 10 lists every week. Pretty consistently high performer. Ricky Waters also had a big week. Ricky Waters had 29.8 points, 124 yards, two touchdowns, four catches for 14 yards. Who was he playing for when he had that one? Probably the Eagles. Could have been the Seahawks. No, if it were in the mid-90s, it's either the Eagles or the 49ers. Ricky Waters is legit. I love Ricky there Waters. We go. Yeah, it was the Eagles. It was the Eagles in 1995. Big year for yeah. him that year. Ricky was a pass catching running back at a time where they weren't as popular. Like he led the league in touches in 1996. Now, granted, 353 of those were rushes and 51 were receptions, but still, the guy got a lot of touches. He led the he league did. in scrimmage yards that year. Yeah. Five times. Yeah, he definitely did that. And he, I mean, a thousand plus yard rusher for six straight seasons in there, too. I mean, he only has like one bad season and that was his age 32 season also stopped playing at 32 he was one of those running backs that was like no i'm good i'm out when the time came i love where you are i was saying that when we did our initial pool back in spring of 2020 when there were no sports and we were doing this manually which is where this idea of encore fantasy began he was one of my top like i'm going after ricky waters i think he's going to be good in this game well i didn't win that league Ricky did give me a couple good games, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, Ricky's a, he was a fun play there. That was that run of Seahawks where guys would come in and chase each other out. Sean Alexander chased Ricky out, and then Amon Green came in and chased Sean Alexander out a few years later. And then it was Marshawn Lynch came okay. in after Amon Green. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Should we talk about the renaissance of modern running backs? because that has been true over the last several weeks. We should talk about it. Is it real, though? I don't know if it's real. Well, that's a good question. So this past week was not as strong as the previous two weeks. But if you look at week seven, you had two legendary players, but then you had Jonathan Taylor back, Aaron Jones, Saquon, and and Josh Jacobs all scoring over 22 points. Nick Chubb was at 17. And then in week eight, you had Jonathan Taylor at 24, Josh Jacobs again, Raheem Mostert having a good game, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb. There are some running backs out there that are having that feature back workhorse role by Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco. And now Elijah Mitchell's back and carrying the ball as much as McCaffrey's. I don't know if running backs are ever going to be back unless their coach is named Josh McDaniels and suddenly want to just give Josh Jacobs the ball 47 times in a game. Or frankly, the Giants and Saquon, because that's what they're doing with him. Yeah, but, I mean, that's but, their entire I offense. mean, it's fair. There's been some good performances over the last couple of weeks. Jonathan Taylor, as I mentioned, being back and healthy looks to be a little bit better. And I imagine Jeff Saturday is going to lean into him. 
uh, as much as they can. But yeah. it's true that like with well, a broader trend is like workhorse backs are not really a thing. And you're just hoping that the, that the running back you picked gets, you know, 60% of the touches of the committee that he's working in, in one, in one game. Um, but like some of those guys, you know, like Dalvin, Saquon, um, you can lean, I feel like you can lean into those guys pretty comfortably and know that they're going to get touches. I don't know if they'll have a great performance, but they're going to get chances. And that's the reason why yeah. we draft running backs highly is for chances. And maybe the broader trend in fantasy is to move away from that considering how often teams throw, but yeah. An old school running back that's playing right now and having success that really runs like your old school workhorse guys is Deontay Foreman. I mean, he's been very good for the last couple of weeks ever since he took over once McCaffrey left. He's one of those guys that it kind of reminds me a lot of Nick Chubb straight line, get the ball, go gets hundred yards rushing gets in the end zone almost every week. The way those old school guys used to. Yeah, absolutely. And this year has been interesting in Cleveland because last year, Chubb was obviously the number one, but he and Hunt would switch drives basically. But Kareem Hunt has been AWOL this year. He has not been as much of a weapon as he has been in the past. So this is one of those things where you bounce it out, especially when you're crafting a team in our league. It's like, okay, I can get Saquon. Let's see. Saquon, he's going to cost you 20.4 points. So you're like, okay, am I going to take Saquon? And then maybe I take Jerome Bettis or maybe I take Ray Rice because I don't trust another of these running backs on a team that isn't the clear feature. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. That trend, like you said, hard to predict. Interesting seeing it play out a little bit in some of these like big time backs being up on the scoreboard. But you also see a lot of the historical running backs on the scoreboard too. Especially last week, if there was ever a... Uh... <laughs> A resounding no, you want historical running backs. Last week was the poster child for that. Six of the top seven were all historical running backs. You're talking about yeah. deltas. I mean, almost all the positive deltas were historical running backs. So yeah. if you're a prisoner of the moment for last week, it was pretty sweeping endorsement for the historical running back approach there. But this goes back to the NFL sucking. I just think it's hard to trust anybody <laughs> in the NFL right now. In the live <laughs> NFL world, I think it's hard to trust anything. So like even, even JJ, even Justin Jefferson right now, Amazing. I love Justin Jefferson. You know, he's on my fantasy team. He's on my wife's favorite team. Like I watch him every week. I'm scared to death of Justin Jefferson this week because he's going up against the Dallas secondary. It's you mean the same Dallas secondary that let Christian Watson have a career day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It's like a prisoner of the moment thing. Guys always have down weeks over the season. And when you look back on it, you're like, wow, that guy crushed. And you don't really think about those crappy weeks because he led you to victory or whatever. But it's obviously recency bias. When we have invested so much in our fantasy teams, we remember the bad moments. That was the thing I was looking at earlier today. Only like two receivers have had double digit points every week. And like every single top receiver has had a week where they've had two points or four points or five points. And a lot of them have had multiple weeks. You used to be able to trust guys that kick in 15, 20 points every week because they were matchup proof. And it doesn't feel like that's a thing this year. Feels more boom and busty this year. than It, it than does feel that way, particularly on the running back side, but on the receiving side too, you've got so many fewer guys that are just locked in. Yes, you can trust them. It's just more inconsistent, it seems, generally across the board, which I think is the message. And then when you look at the historical players... Obviously, you could get some stinkers in there. We we had some. Look at last week. You had Lance Allworth, our pod favorite, getting only five, and Earl Campbell getting only five. Michael Irvin getting five point six. Roger Craig getting seven. Jamal Charles seven point seven. These guys have stinkers in them, but then again, DeAndre Swift and Derrick Henry had stinkers, and Miles Sanders and Johnu Smith and Kyle Pitts again. It's balanced. So, in going ahead to next week. Some things that I'm looking out for. I think I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do a whole historical player team. That's what I'm going for this week. 
You've convinced me. The NFL is too erratic. I'm going to go with the erraticism of historical players and their game logs. I'm going to try and pick some players that have smaller game pools. Maybe this is the week that I lean into Dominic Williams finally, only for him to have a terrible game. Or Earl Campbell or Barry Sanders. I definitely went a little bit more heavier on the current player side, including two current wide receivers. Mostly because now I'm done with the historical receiver thing. I've proven without a shadow of a doubt that uh, historical receivers are better. So once you get the answer you want, you just say, yes, that is the answer I want, and you move on. The experiment is done. (laughs) We're not accepting any more results. The experiment is over. I am correct. My hypothesis any, is proven. End of story. Anything anything else will just be a simple outlier. Yeah, perfect. This is a real scientific. I'm finishing my master's thesis and I heard this from my advisor. She was like, well, if something pops up, you can just throw it in a footnote. That's what PhDs do. Like, well, wait, something popped up that goes against your thesis. Yeah, just put it in a footnote that we recognize it, but it doesn't apply for XYZ reasons. This has been and and any any evidence that negates his hypothesis about, about historical wide receivers, he'll just be like, yeah, put it in a footnote. Like we get it. We recognize it, but it doesn't change our opinion. It doesn't change our overall thesis. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I'm also going to take a ride on the Aaron Brooks train this week. He always pops up when I'm going through the quarterbacks and I never really take a chance to ride on it. But yeah, Aaron he, Brooks. Yeah. He had some fun times. He had some fun, some fun games in there back in the early two thousands. Yeah. I think it's a pretty terrible play because he has a lot more bad games and he has good games, man. You're really going to the roulette table and being like, yeah, I'm feeling it. 27. This is it. It's happening. Green double zero. I mean, sure. There's like Randall Cunningham and even carry flipping Collins you could throw out there, but you're leaning in Aaron Brooks. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to just pull a potential game for you. Two potential games. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll give you one good game. I'm going to go to his 2001 season where he started all 16 games for the Saints. Oh, on 2002. Okay, I want week 7, 2002. 254 yards passing, three touchdowns, four rushes, 26 yards and a touchdown. He did have some of those little like rushing touchdowns he sprinkled in there with his big... Or you game. can get week 11. From 2002, 318 yards passing. Okay. Three interceptions <laughs> and a fumble yeah, it and that. nine rushing yards. Oh my God. Yes. I can't wait to watch this. You better not change this. You're going no, with Aaron no, Brooks. I'm, I'm going with Aaron Brooks. I'm, I'm locked, he's locked in. He's locked in. Okay, I'm going right, to carry the water with him with some historical running backs though. A little Edron James, a little Matt Forte. I'll throw a little Jamal Charles in for fun. Wow. That is a trio right there. Imagine in 2009, you could have had all three of those. Yeah. I bet you could have had all three of those on a team in 2009. I think that's probably right. Right. Edron James was on that Colts team that won. Matt Forte's first year was in 2008 and he had a pretty good year in 2009. And Jamal Charles. Yeah. You could have had all three of those on your team in 2009. Ben's going back to 2009 with Aaron Brooks from 2003. Ben, this is what we will talk about next time we do the pod. You and I going head to head with all historical teams. I hope none of our players overlap. I won't try and take any of those players. It's possible they do if we don't talk about all of them, but no, we can can talk through it. We can legit talk through and make sure that we don't overlap. Okay. 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 Well, Well, in fact, we can pick We'll we'll trade picks. Okay. My quarterback is going to be Randall Cunningham this week. I haven't picked him yet. You can't do that. You might have to pick somebody else. If I pick Randall Cunningham. No, you just picked Aaron Brooks this week. Yeah, this week. Aaron Brooks. Did you pick all historical players? No, but I could. It's good to be me when you can just dictate things like that. And that's just the reality. Just a reminder to everybody that your fancy name is I am hubris. I am. Ben, uh, let's go into our guaranteed to win money. Sam Bankman Freed FTX style. Uh, as yeah. in, don't listen to us. But if people were to listen to us, what is a bet 
you have for this week that you're going to put all of your wife's retirement funds on? Quick. Crypto. (laughs) Well, it is low. (laughs) Buy low, baby. Buy low. I have a bet. I have Eagles minus seven at the Colts who looked good last week-ish because they're playing a horrible Raiders team. And I'm taking the Eagles minus seven on the road. I think the Eagles beat the Colts by more than seven points on the road quite easily. Wow. Minus seven at the Colts. Colts defense ain't that bad. It's uh, it's interesting. Plus, Jeff Saturday is undefeated as a coach. I'm surprised you want to go against that trend. One game does not make a trend, my friend. So, And beating the Raiders is hardly... It's like they scrimmaged a college team, like a D2 college team from Massachusetts. Okay, that's like what the Raiders game was. I really want to go Ravens minus 13 against the Panthers because I feel like the Ravens are going to win that game by like 26. But I I just can't. I can't do that. I can't. I can't do that. That's just too much. Here's an interesting one. And I can't bring myself to bet this either. But this line is really interesting. Jets are plus three and a half at New England. I was just looking at that. I well, was just a disrespectful at that. line for the Jets. What the most disrespectful line ever for the Jets, which I agree with because the Jets suck. I don't know how they beat the Bills. The Jets are not a good football team, but, but they're winning. If I were picking active players this week, Nico Collins, I would pick because that dude gets targets and the Texans just have to throw all day long, even though they have Damian oh. Pierce. Nico Collins is a target machine right now. I don't know if he'll turn those into catches, but anyway. But what's your all bet? Right. What's your bet? I'm going to give you two. This is one bet. Even though I said I would not do this, Vegas has the Broncos minus three against the Raiders. Now, any person who's watched a Broncos game Can would look at their them? opponent plus three and be like, I... I have to bet that you you would have to bet their opponent plus three because of how bad the Broncos offense has been. Like you don't even have to score any points and you're going to push that bet. Like that that's <laughs> that's how bad that like to this line is such a stinky line from Vegas reeling people in to bet on the Raiders. I'm telling you right now, the Broncos are going to win that game by more than three. That is a stinky Vegas line getting you to bite the hook on the Raiders. Because they know something we don't know. I don't know what they know that we don't know, but they know something that we don't know. I know you. You know you. I know that you know that I know you. It's one of those situations. What is more interesting to me is the over-under of 41.5. I'm a bet hard on the under on that one. Those teams can't score any points. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good bet there. That's a pretty good bet there. That game is that's that game's got 17-14 written all over it. Yeah. What's your other bet? So the one that I think I'm going to roll with, I think that Kyler Murray's back this week. And I do like the Cardinals at home plus eight against the 49ers. Now, I think the 49ers are probably going to win that game. Yeah, but it's not going to be by nine. Well, that's the that's the thing, because the quarterback for the 49ers is still Jimmy Garoppolo. And while some people love Jimmy, Jimmy is a winner. The guy is a winner. He's as exciting as all the other backup quarterbacks that are good this year. I don't see a nine-point win there for the Niners on the road. Again, that screams stinky Vegas line where they're trying to bait me into taking the Cardinals. Congratulations, Vegas. You got me. I'm the first guy that you've ever gotten. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Cardinals plus eight in that one. I, Kyler Murray hasn't had that one explosive game, and it's got to come. It's coming at some point. And their offense is back to being a bit more balanced with Connor being back and also Rondale Moore emerging as like, a, a trusted target, which opens up space for DeAndre Hopkins still. I know he's not been as good coming off the suspension, but that's not a terrible pick. And the 49ers are a lot of things. They're a solid team, but they're not a team that really blows people out. Their offense has a lot of talented people, but they don't always score that many points with those people, especially on the road. And 
quick caveat. Obviously, we are not betting experts. Take what we yeah. say with a very healthy... We don't issue refunds for your bets. Please bet responsibly. Don't bet money that you don't have. Yeah, don't do that, people. Don't do that. It's pretty simple. Don't do, don't that. do that. Gambling's fun, but it's not fun when you do it the wrong way there. I'm happy with those picks. And next week, we'll both do a full roster of historical players, and we will compare at our next podcast. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. But I here's know. something we didn't do. All right. We need to do this to finish off this episode. Happy Thanksgiving! So next week is Thanksgiving. I feel like we need a Thanksgiving feast draft. Like best Thanksgiving foods? Yeah. Michael Schur, who was Moe's on The Office mm-hmm. and created Parks and Rec and all that, he's very vocal in saying that Thanksgiving food is terrible. If it were actually good, you eat it at other points of the year. But the fact that you only eat it on one day proves that it's not actually good and nobody likes it and we just eat it because tradition. I don't agree with this take. Do you agree with this take? The fact that you're proposing this draft suggests that you don't agree with this take. I do not, in principle, agree with the entirety of that take. I think the reason we don't eat it is because it's time-consuming to make it It's also fattening to eat it because there's a lot of food that is involved in there. Now, I I, I do agree with the take that green bean casserole is atrocious and disgusting. Oh, yeah, well, we don't don't make that at ours. Nobody likes that. Also, candy yams and sweet potatoes can go and die in a cold bottomless pit by themselves yeah i don't know about that i don't know about that it's facts uh but uh but i mean come on i look i if i'm taking my number one overall pick in a a food draft from when it comes to thanksgiving i just want the gravy i'll just take a bowl of the gravy and you can have whatever else you want nice i'll just say that thanksgiving is by far my favorite holiday not necessarily for the food although i do like the food it's for everything that goes with it i get to be with my whole family so which is important but for the food my dad makes stromboli at thanksgiving every year which is a huge hit that's what i'm taking as my number one food pick he makes a delicious stromboli with a ton of italian meats and cheeses and some like sun-dried tomato dressing in there it's pretty fantastic so Maybe not traditional, traditional Thanksgiving, but it's our Thanksgiving tradition, so it counts. And that's a big thing about Thanksgiving, right? Like almost every single family that I've ever known has their own like unique tradition that's a tradition yeah, yeah. of it. So like my wife's family would have fish along with their turkey Thanksgiving. Oh, so like, weird. weird people that do weird things like that. So, you know, everybody's got their own thing. So that's fair. I mean, I, a straw bully seems... It's just as fattening and delicious as every other, everything else at Thanksgiving. So it's no. What I can't theme. wrap my head around with the stromboli though is, is: do you like dip it in the gravy, or do you pour the gravy on top of it? Like, what, do where, it. Do, where, where does the gravy be, come into play with the stromboli? This is an important factor for Ben. To be fair, it usually comes out as an appetizer before the main meal. So gravy is not ready. But if you were to show up at our Thanksgiving, we'd find a way to provide you with a little dipping bowl for you for your. Yeah, I, I just everything that you eat at Thanksgiving has to be able to be. You know, berry and gravy. That's that's my my only prerequisite with that. Um, Understood. I got it. And if you haven't had gravy on a Caesar salad before, you haven't lived. I don't think I have had that, but that does sound pretty good. No, I've never had it either. It sounds really bad, actually. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, you really sold me on that. That was good. Damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the meals wherever you can. To, to Misha's point, it's a great holiday because you do get together with family and friends. So. It's always a good thing for that. It's a good way to do it for us. Big tradition is play a Trivial Pursuit in the evenings nice. after we get done. Yeah, getting some fights. We're we're uh, we're a Scategories family, so we do a lot of that. Oh, Scategories! Ugh. If you want to start a fight amongst your family, really quickly, play some Scategories, yeah. baby. I also want to thank all of you listeners who are listening to Ben and me uh, go on and on about whatever, and for playing our fantasy game. Thank you for that. We're grateful. Yeah. 
Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Our Twitter account is at Encore Fantasy. Our Instagram is at Encore Fantasy Games. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Come out, reach out, follow us. Catch us on Instagram, on Twitter. Twitter is where we're most active, at Encore Fantasy on Twitter and at Encore Fantasy Games on Instagram. So check us out. Thank you for following. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And have a good Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining (laughs) us on the podcast. This episode is history. I don't know what they know that we don't know, but they know something that we don't know. Some Ben Stecker strategery. Is it real, though? I don't know if it's real. I know you. You know you. I know that you know that I know you. Ooh. Ooh. Thick, meaty bell curve.